0: while I'm talking. You're absolutely gorgeous. You really this got or you haven't got style. And if you've been wondering what this is in my hand, it's a nail. and It's either going in Poland's coughing or it's going throughout. Um, Keith Weller, uh, it's good to see him without his tights and his gloves. Uh, I'm a professional. I love the game. Uh, I'm good at it. I know what I'm doing. You wouldn't be talking to me now if I didn't know what I was doing. I think it's very important to be honest. Very important. Uh, Football's a hard game, you know that.
1: And uh, you've got to be honest with people.
2: Here's a kiss. I've got Nigel Clough here with me. He wants to see the eight Bristol Rovers goals go in again. What did you think of Brighton yesterday? All right. (laughs) <laughs> I love that. That's uh, some Brian Clough excerpts uh, and uh, that was preceded by uh, the uh, the usual theme tune music uh, from uh, our friend's teenage fan club. Um, the, the material um, uh, that has been culled by uh, the Exotica series, uh, a line of football themed uh, CD releases which uh, came out in the late 80s and throughout the 90s, um, just a wonderful um Cornucopia of just just football ephemera, just nuts, the kind of stuff. So that, that thing that we just heard actually was just an amalgamation of of Brian Clough sound bites, uh, chucked together onto one track. But uh, if you're at all familiar with Brian Clough, just just a gem of a man when it comes to uh, outlandish quotes, sensible quotes. Uh, he was uh, he was a character. Let's just uh, let's just leave it at that. Uh, welcome to the show. This is episode eight uh, of Near Perfect Pitch. Uh, you can uh, reach out, you can uh, give me a buzz uh, via the, the usual digital means, not actually the telephone. You can uh, get in touch through the, uh, the old email uh, at uh, nearperfectpitch at gmail.com uh, nearperfpitch is the Instagram handle uh, nearperfectpitch is the Instagram uh, account and nearperfectpitch is the Facebook page so do spread the word uh, do make some requests, we'll be getting to one or two of those today um, if you listened last week you will have no doubt uh, remembered that I had uh, bumped uh, a series of releases from last week's show to, to this week's show, uh, and there is going to be a whole load of new releases, and, and this is, of course, all pending, that I can actually get to it. Um, uh, we've got the new uh, – well, actually, let's, let's go through this. New releases by Suede, Catfish and the Bottleman, Cooler Shaker, Amber Arcades, Block Party. Of the Coral Ladyhawk and if that was not enough we've got a great interview coming up with uh, Kim Clark Champness a, a very integral figure in the Canadian music scene uh, a well travelled uh, and very very uh, uh, well versed individual and uh, just a delight talking to Kim and I hope to be able to uh, uh, reconvene with him and, and chit chat about more at a later date on on a future program uh, we'll also have as we will always do we're gonna have the obligatory fall track this week it's going to be something from extricate uh we've got our usual gits getting the c feature and i'll tell you what spoiled the choice this week in terms of uh, picking picking a uh, a winner of you know well, for want of a better expression the tit of the week uh Web time uh another wacky site that I stumbled upon this particular week we'll have uh, our hat trick which is our quick fire three in a row and uh, that's going to be cure centric because I trundled down to Montreal yesterday to uh, see said band and I'm um, suitably knackered got back at three this morning but it was uh, it was a good show played three hours and uh, I'm dating myself because I've not seen the cure for ages and I actually did some maths and I figured it out it was Glastonbury 1990 was the last time I saw the Cure, uh, and uh, I, I just couldn't believe I hadn't seen them in the interim. But that—that uh, that is indeed the case, and uh, that was a—that was a fun weekend. And Dean, if you're listening. Uh many many good memories from that from that weekend uh, and i'm sure i forgot many many more at the same time uh, you're going to hear some stuff too from look uh, some football content we might just hear some fat less because of the euros you know it's going to be a bit of football banter because the uh, the premier league schedule was uh, announced today because today uh, when i'm recording the show is is the wednesday so uh, um, the liverpool uh uh, crack! it could not have been uh, handed much more of a much more difficult uh, schedule, but uh, such is life. Uh, and uh, I'll get a, get to a bunch more stuff later as well. I'm not going to give it all away because that would just be, you know, that wouldn't be very, very, very cool of me, would it? Really? I want to keep you listening. So do spread the word. We're on episode eight right now. Uh, when I get to a dozen episodes, I'm going to be seeking some sponsorship to try and make this thing a little bit bigger and a little bit better. Here's the Inspiro Carpets. <laughs> Brand new stuff from Suede, fantastic stuff. Uh, that is uh, "No Tomorrow" from uh, their latest uh, record from this year, called uh, "Called Night Thoughts." And that really is Brett back to his best. Really, just labelling those lyrics fantastic. And uh, you can't you can't fault anything that has uh, the production touch from uh, a, a certain Ed Buller, uh, who is uh, the collaborator this time round again for the umpteenth time with uh, with Swade. Uh, and before suede, we heard uh, Inspiral Carpets, the Carpets, the Inspirals, uh, the title track. Actually, not the title track, the lead track to uh, the Beast Inside, uh, on uh, on Mute Electro Records from 1991. Lovely stuff from the Inspiral Carpets. And uh, staying in uh, in in that region of the world, it's it's been 20 years since the uh, the IRA terror uh, blast uh, hit central Manchester. And this is for all of my uh, all of my Mancunian friends and family. Uh, Twenty years on, still standing. Fair play. This week's obligatory fall ah track, and that is uh, that's Black Monk Theme Part One from uh, from Extricate on Cog Sinister Records, uh, distributed by Polygram uh, from 1990. There's also a tidy uh, second version of said song on the record, uh, and one of my favourite fall fall albums. Um, of course, uh, be, if you're a big fall fan, you'll probably notice I've been playing a lot of their. Uh, a lot of the stuff from their second half of of their career Uh, I'll I'll, I'll even that out over the course of time, don't worry about that Uh, and as a reminder, uh, we heard before that uh, a new release, uh, Catfish and the Bottlemen, from their second LP, Uh, and uh, that is a track called Twice, and the record is called uh, The Ride, that's uh, a bunch of Welsh lads from uh, Hlandudno selling an awful lot of records of late, and uh, I just saw a through my inbox this week that uh, they've added a Toronto date uh, which is nice, uh, but uh, not nice enough for me to get off my backside and drive for, drive five hours. Um, and before that uh, we heard Dedication to Manchester, the 12-inch version of Take 5 uh, by Northside in case uh, you've been living under a, a large obelisk or something similar. And that's uh, of course on uh, factory records. And... I'll give you some more information on top of that uh, to remind you that we heard uh, the new, uh, well, some new uh, suede from uh, from the latest LP. We heard "Nocturnal" tomorrow. Next, we're going to hear some "Gay Dad" on London Records from 1999. Promise uh, new releases, didn't I? And that is another one. That's uh, that's new from from Cooler Shaker. After a uh, six-year sabbatical, they have a new record out, and that is. Uh, I'm just going to actually cheat a little bit here. I want to go on Tinterweb and tell you more about it. That's Holy Flame. It's a second track off off the record, uh, and the new LP is called K. And I hate using this expression, but it's used. To, all the time because it's an IT term. 2.0 it should be 2.0 or 2.0, but it's 2.0. K 2.0. Uh, 11 tracks in all, and uh, you can snag that from uh, their their site or the usual uh, the usual sites. This is not a particularly hard release to get hold of, and um, I was a big fan of Cooler Shaker uh, back in the day, and uh, I'm quite I quite like this new record. It's, uh, it's better than their last, uh, their last effort from uh, from six years ago. I'm trying to remember the name of that uh, particular album. I'm going to cheat again. Oh it was called their uh, Pilgrim's Progress, that's what it was called. Um, let's go back to my set list here. Uh, and uh, prior to the cooler Shaker release we heard um, something by Gay Dad on London Records from 1999. They were a very interesting band. With Gay Dad, uh, two only two albums to to their name. Uh, they had uh, Leisure Noise in '99 and uh, Transmission from 2001. The track we heard uh, was uh, was from uh, was from the first record, Leisure Noise, and entitled "Different Kind of Blue." It wasn't a single; it was an album track. Uh, and I do do like that. Uh, and I, I encourage you to try and dig dig up some of uh, Gay Dad's material, especially the first album. It was particularly good. Uh, sorry, particularly good. Um, Coming up next, uh, on, uh, well, label mates of of Suede, who we heard earlier. We heard some new Suede uh, at the beginning of the program. Uh, Back in the heady days of nude records, um, Suede was selling a ton of records. And there was a band on on, uh, the same label uh, called Geneva, who didn't sell nearly as many records. But they did make, nonetheless, very good LPs. (laughs)
3: Trying to figure it out Nothing better to do when I'm stuck on you I'm still here trying to figure it out
2: They can rack it, can't they? That's uh, that's real blood from their self-titled debut. That's uh, the fourth single of uh, said release. Uh, it's called "Figure It Out," and those lads are from uh, from Brighton, I believe. And before that, we heard uh, trank from the album "Tranquilizer" on Nude Records. We heard "Geneva" and uh, a single. Uh, and in uh, doing a little bit of uh, surfing whilst I was mixing there, uh, I. Clean forgot that it was actually the uh, the enemy had voted it single of the year in 1997. Fair dues. So uh, they had a, another album after that uh, in uh, in 2000 uh, on Nude Records as well, called Weather Underground. Uh, and uh, always liked them. Uh, especially uh, especially uh, Andrew Montgomery's voice. Just just ridiculous voice he's got. He's, uh, he's done a lot of sort of disparate solo stuff after the disbanding of of of, uh, of Geneva. And he can find uh, he can find the odd little thing he's done, uh, but nothing as concerted as the first two uh, proper releases uh, 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 by by Geneva. Coming up next, this this is a record that uh, I used to trawl record shops um, trying to find on CD, and then I stumbled upon it in London. I, I had the vinyl, uh, and uh, there was rumblings that there had been a, a few CDs released. Uh, anyway, got my hands on it. Uh, it's Barmy Army and the English Disease. It's on U uh, Sounds Records, so it's uh, it's the tackhead lads. Uh, and uh, all those years ago when I used to have the radio show uh, Two Pints of Lager and a Packet of Crisps, I'd get asked for this, literally every week I'd get asked for this. Uh, So I'm going to play it now early in the tenure of uh, uh, the retooled and repurposed Two Pints of Lager and a Packet of Crisps, i.e. what you're listening to near perfect pitch, and we're going to hear sharp as a needle with uh, some nice Brian Moore samples uh, and uh, some nice Kenny Dalglish references as well want to remind you that you can contact uh, the show by emailing uh, me at nearperfectpitch@gmail.com. at gmail.com. You can uh, see what's going on uh, graphically, as they say, uh, at, uh, at Instagram at nearperfectpitch. Uh, you could do the same thing on Twitter at nearperfpitch and uh, the Facebook page is nearperfectpitch. Reach out, spread the word. Don't forget, not just on Podbean, not just on CKCU. The show's on iTunes now, so uh, tell everybody about it uh, and, uh, and spread the word. We're going to hear some uh, more new releases coming up. I've actually got, I thought I'd uh, made a dent in it. I think I've got about halfway home. Uh, I might not get to them all, actually, because I'm hoping to play uh, new stuff from Block Party. Uh, the Coral, Amber Arcades, uh, Ladyhawk. Uh, And I think that is the sum total of the the new releases that are left that I would ideally like to play. I'll have a think about it. Uh, And in the meantime, here's uh, Sharp as a Needle. do like that. That's Amber Arcades. Uh, more specifically, Amber Arcades is uh, It's a Lady. It's uh, analog de Graaf. And uh, she's on Heavenly Records. And uh, that's from uh, that's actually the title track uh, of uh, her, new, uh, her new LP, uh, which is called uh, Fading Lines. I really, really like it. And if you want some of her uh, older material, you can get that on her Bandcamp page. So... I will uh, uh, give you some more information just momentarily because I'm doing some mouse-clicking here. You can probably hear it in the background. So we heard Amber Arcade's Fading Lines title track off the debut full-length on Heavenly from this year. Now, before that, we heard uh, an outfit called Balmy Army from an LP called The English Disease, released in 1999 on uh, on New Sounds records. The brainchild of uh, Adrian Sherwood, essentially aided and abetted by a, a litany of, of talented musicians along, and I'll name a few for you. Doug Wimbish on bass, got Jar Wobble on percussion, Skip McDonald as his normal on guitar, Al Jurgensen on keyboards. And uh, a great little release there, very, very, very football-centric, uh, industrial hip-hop, if you like, and... Uh, I played that in all its glory, and before that we heard Royal Blood with uh, Figure It Out. It's now time for a feature uh, called Get In The Sea. I'm, I'm going to dispense with playing the, uh, the little uh, sound bite of, of the ocean. I'm going to get right into it. It's It's been uh, quite a rotten week in terms of uh, more needless death, uh, deaths on our planet, and uh, I was absolutely blown away by by one individual in the wake of the horror that we all witnessed in uh, in uh, orlando um just just a handful of days ago uh, texas lieutenant or lieutenant governor dean patrick thought it would be prudent and uh, and sage to essentially essentially say do not be deceived god cannot be mocked a man reaps what he sows so those poor beggars in uh, in orlando uh, they deserve to die uh, he, he quickly uh, removed uh, the tweet uh, uh, concerned but uh, many many copycat tweets uh, basically echoing his sentiment from Bible belt lunatics uh, uh, from Florida and uh, an adjacent uh, adjacent states just makes just makes the mind just I don't know. it Makes my little mind implode. I just haven't got the uh, the hard drive space to be able to con- comprehend such hatred. Uh, anyway, I propose that we chuck this this pillar into the Caspian. Loads of sharks in there. He should last about, oh, give him thirty seconds. So, uh, I, I'm, I'm I'm all for peace and unity. But there are some people that are just begging to be chucked in a sea. So that's for you, mate, Lieutenant Governor Dean Patrick. You sir, are a prat. Um, before Supergrass there was a band called The Jennifers Supergrass are well known to many uh, The Jennifers are not It uh, seems like I'm doing some PR for Nude Records It's actually another release from from, uh, from the Nude roster uh, and uh, The Jennifers only released one single They released this one called Just Got Back Today A great way to break the hour mark of uh, Near Perfect Pitch's eighth installment. Um, don't forget, nearperfectpitch at gmail.com. Be in touch. Here's some new, uh, some new block party.
4: Spent my commission on another diversion and I don't got no meaning. No. me that my my light is dimming and i've been too long drifting in an ocean it's okay you just need faith been looking for answers in the wrong place but how do i tell him that there's something missing and i don't got no substance since you've gone Bottom of this sharp glass Every day I go down to the water And I pray since you let me that way Oh Lord, I'm trying to keep my sights On the good news that's in my heart
2: Churin Breaks that's uh, a single and an album track underdog save me that's from their debut long player which came out in uh, in 2001 they've just released their ninth record uh, on cooking vinyl and you can also get it from their uh, their own website at uh, Turin Breaks. Uh, i think it's uk, but uh, just do a couple of keystrokes. You'll be able to find it. Uh, and the new album's called Lost Property. I'll be playing some stuff from uh, this uh, particular record in in the coming weeks. Um, and prior to hearing uh, the the new, sorry, prior to hearing that song, we heard something new from Block Party. I'm knackered. Truth be told, I got on about half past three this morning after having seen The Cure last night. They played three hours. They're uh, got about. And the mean average six to seven years uh, on me in terms of age. Uh, And I ache just from sitting there. That's how sad I am. Anyway, we had the good news. Uh, of the new Block Party record and uh, much, much more to come from them uh, just because they're Block Party. Uh, they're, I'll always be playing stuff from them. Uh, and we heard uh, prior to Supergrass some, uh, some Jennifers, the, uh, the one-off single on Nude Records just got back today. Um, coming up next, we're going to hear some uh, new order, but I wanted to remind you that uh, coming up later in the programme uh, towards the very, very end, uh, uh, a nice chat slash interview with uh, Kim Clark, Champness. So, so, for the Canadian listeners out there, you should be uh, quite familiar with uh, with Kim's work. Uh, starting off uh, in uh, in Vancouver on the west coast, uh, the vibrant scene in the eighties uh, involved heavily with uh, a lot of the, the network uh, musicians out there, and uh, notably being a, a manager of Images and Vogue for a while as well. Uh, DJing at uh, the 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 club of all clubs, uh, a love affair. He then moved to Toronto and did a lot of work with uh, the Chum Group and then uh, obviously much music as, a, as a, uh, a natural progression. He was very instrumental in uh, in doing a, a myriad of, of, of immense research for a lot of features on uh, the new music, uh, City Limits. And uh, just, a, just a very, very sussed individual, delighted to have uh, had a chat with Kim, and the fruits of that chat will be uh, forthcoming uh, towards the end of the programme. Um, let's talk a bit about football, actually, because Eric, Eric uh, I think his uh, baking uh, hobby has now become a fully-fledged career. Uh, he's not been here for three weeks, uh, so I'm just getting used to, to, to flying solo, and that's okay. Uh, so it's easier to, to talk about uh, any given subject matter if you've got uh, a sounding board or a catalyst of sorts. But uh, I'll just have to do it on my own. Anyway, the the, the Premier League uh, fixture list was, uh, was announced at 9am GMT. Um, and I was awake actually because I got back from Montreal and do the maths and figure out the, the time difference uh, I just stayed up a little bit and just listened to it being uh, regurgitated by Alan Brazil on TalkSport so uh, being, being uh, Liverpool centric fantastic first day of the season away at Arsenal uh, the, full, the full fixture list for the, uh, for the first day of the season is uh, Hull at home to Leicester Arsenal at home to, uh, to Liverpool uh, West Brom away at Palace Man City hosts Sunderland. Stoke away at Middlesbrough, newly promoted Middlesbrough. Uh, Chelsea will entertain West Ham. Uh, Bournemouth, uh, Man United. Uh, People on the swing back. Burnley FC are going to be playing Swansea. And uh, Everton are hosting Tottenham. And the last game of uh, uh, the card, as they say, is uh, Southampton uh, hosting Watford. Uh, Week two, standout games. Let's have a quick shifty at this. I think... The Leicester Arsenal game sticks out more than anything else. Uh, week uh, week two, and as we uh, make our way through to week three, um, Spurs Liverpool that'll be a tidy game. That's probably the game of the weekend. And we'll go. We'll just go a month into the season, shall we? Uh, what's the big standout game? Uh, oh, it's up to say. It's Liverpool uh, Liverpool Leicester. Uh, Oh, oh, as I as I scroll I see that, that there's Man United, Man City a small ma- matter of a Manchester derby to contend with uh, a lot of uh, high profile games uh, in, in the first handful of weeks I know that uh, Liverpool are particularly upset with uh, uh, an unbelievably difficult first eight games uh, they do say it's random uh, our friends at the FA but uh, if you believe that you'll believe anything won't you so I did say we we're going to play some New Order didn't I
5: we we'll
4: to say you don't care anyway i'm a man
5: in a rage with that good i betrayed here comes love it's like honey you
4: can't buy it worth money
2: takeable new order that's from 2001 that's crystal from the get ready lp uh, I, I just don't understand why people don't take new orders most recent work very seriously um, they've just been relentless in putting out quality records uh, and they've not really released any duds but uh, record sales would uh, suggest otherwise but um i do like this particular one uh Crystal was a great single and I think it really re-established them uh, as uh, having drawn a line in the sand and everybody else was just chasing their coattails. Anyway, that's New Order. As I mentioned uh, earlier on, I was, uh, I was in Montreal last night uh, um, with my wife watching uh, The Cure. They played for three hours and uh, very impressed. Uh, the sound was good for a, for a large venue like the Bell Centre and uh, so so was there their choice of songs it's also nice to see uh, Simon Gallup still prancing around and still draping his uh, Reading Football Club uh, banner over his uh, uh, over his uh, stack there so I had a really good time and uh, I wanted to do something thematic uh, I usually play a, a quick fire hat trick uh, and uh, play three songs in a row I'm going to do just that, except I'm going to be amalgamating uh, this week's cover version, Cover Me, um, in said hat-trick. So we're going to hear, uh, first off, we're going to hear a cover version of a Cure song as uh, performed by editors. Uh, And you can get it on the uh, Radio 1 established 1967 compilation, uh, bands covering other bands uh, from 1967 all the way through until 2006 when the record was released, celebrating uh, Radio 1 being around all those years. Anyway, we're going to hear that, and then we're going to hear a remix, uh, a nice remix of uh, what is uh, my favourite uh, Cure song, and then a third one to wrap it all up. Hence, Hat Trick. It's very clever, really. really is immensely annoying, isn't it? Um, As I mentioned last time, I'm going to have to try and find a a substitute for that. That's uh, that's piercing the eardrums. Um, So that sound, that modem sound, which teleports you back 20-odd years while you're just about putting your fist through your monitor waiting for some kind of internet connection, um, that's the gist, that's the idea behind this particular feature, Tinterweb Time. Um, And it really is just me sharing a site that I have stumbled upon since last I spoke to you. And in this particular uh, particular case, uh, I stumbled upon a website as follows. 100, the number 100, greatest bootlegs. So 100 greatest bootlegs, all one word, .blogspot.ca. And they claim, as the name says, to have a whole load of bootlegs which are, uh, well, in massive quantity. They actually do surpass 100. And as I trawl through the whole lot here, um, such a wonderful cross-section. So the first thing you'll see when you, when you log into this particular page is you will see um, a Tom Waits uh, live in Austin uh, recording from 1978. Uh, but you can also find uh, Bowie from uh, Strange Fascination from 74. You can find uh, Ramon, Steve Earle, uh, the Whalers, Eric Clapton, Echo and the Bunnymen. Uh, that uh, small outfit, uh, the Beatles, there's a particularly good one, uh, Elbow. Saint Paul's Cathedral from 2011, uh, Arctic Monkeys, Earl's Court 2013. Now, being uh, ex-music uh, professional, as they say, I suppose it was professional because I did get paid. Um, just because you're professional doesn't mean to say that you're any good. But uh, all that aside, um, I, I buy a lot of records, and by records I, I mean music in, in multiple formats. And I've never had an issue with. Uh, with people downloading stuff so long as it's uh, unofficial, i.e. you're not uh, uh, cutting off the supply to the artist getting the money that they so... readily deserve, and uh, and with today's business model, uh, they're not getting nearly enough. In fact, they're getting exponentially uh, uh, a a pittance in terms of what they should be getting back to the old model, which everybody was moaning about, and I'm sure that everybody would uh, beg for it to come back in terms of revenue share. So, anyway, I don't have any issue at all downloading an Echo on the Bunnymen gig from Tokyo from 1984 that uh, Ian and and, and Will and the lads are not going to profit from not a problem at all. Um, a lot of these are in uh, FLAC format, uh, FLAC, uh, lossless uh, audio for, for you uh, nerds out there. And if you are a nerd, I love you even more for being one. Um, so I've a trawl through. I've, I've spent a lot of time on it. And I must admit, I have uh, added a couple of things to my collection over the past few days. And all... In the wonderful uh, vibe of sharing, not ripping off musicians—that is not at all what I would ever suggest. So uh, don't, don't even start to begin to point fingers that way. So again, stuff that's not available officially, uh, be it live, be it a session. Uh, there are some Peel sessions on here, although I shouldn't be saying it, you know. But uh, some wonderful uh, high audio quality. Uh, Peel sessions which I do hope eventually if the BBC have got anything about them would release the whole shooting match and make it available as digital download and uh, allow folks like me to pay uh, a fair a fair price for it so anyway, have a look through this particular site I'll tell you again it's 100 greatest bootlegs before that we heard Patrick we heard uh, three Cure songs the first was uh, Lullaby uh, as uh, performed by editors on the uh, BBC celebratory uh, release of uh, their uh, their existence since 1967. They released a, a CD where uh, current artists covered uh, uh, a number one from any given year, and uh, that's what they chose to do actually i don't think number 1 was the criterion at all i think it was just a release from any given year uh, and then we heard uh, the tree mix of a forest uh, and that's from uh, the cures mixed up lp which came out in um, 1990 yeah it was about i remember again it was cold it was about christmas it came out uh, and it was a, a double lp with 12 tracks, or oh, you've got the CD, and they released a spate of singles around that as well. Some of the remixes are uh, poor, let's be honest. Uh, some of them are fantastic, uh, like the aforementioned tree Mix of A Forest. Uh, and then uh, the, the third in the hat trick of, of songs was Fascination Street uh, from Disintegration, and that's from 1989. Next up, we're going to hear some Rifles. from the Coral. That is the lead track from uh, their latest LP called Connector and the LP is entitled uh, Distance In Between. Uh, The lads are from Liverpool and it's their eighth full-length studio release. I can't believe they have released eight records to date. Um, Great output from a great band and uh, prior to hearing that we heard uh, from Chingford, the lads from Chingford, the rifles from their debut long play, and no love lost, we heard uh, peace and quiet, which is what I crave every now and again, uh, which is what I'll be craving after this, because I do tend to turn the monitor speakers up rather loud here, and upon leaving, I tend to drive home in silence.
4: Where are the youth?
0: A lump of cheddar, cheddar juice, juice. Lit one pound
2: a full-on, tribal lunacy. That is uh, Fat Les from, uh, when did they release that? Correct, 2012? Yeah, maybe. No, before that, that was a uh, 98, wasn't it? Anyway, who are these people? Well, they're Alex James, uh, that's Blur's bassist, uh, Keith Allen, who is an actor and artist, Damien Hurst, and they released this record uh, to support our, our humble team, and uh, it did rather well in the charts. I like it. As I said, it's anthemic. It's one of those things that you just can't get out your head. I had to play it because it is thematic. It is anthemic. It is uh, completely relevant to the Euros, which are going on uh, as, uh, well, I think they put, put up their boots for the evening, but uh, the tournament is, uh, is well underway. Uh, I also forgot to mention earlier that I bumped into Jeff at uh, the, the Cure gig last night. And uh, earlier on, I posted onto uh, Facebook uh, just a stack of CDs, some of which I'll be playing. And uh, he commented uh, that I should play Fascination Street. As he commented, I was playing said track. Read into that what you will. I thought it was kind of uh, kind of odd, strange, kismet-like and cool. Uh, time to get to a couple of requests because that was... Uh, a dedication of sorts for Jeff but these are actual requests this is for Dave now Dave uh, I'm sure if I was still living uh, still living in England uh, we'd be we'd be fast fast friends so uh, we share a lot of uh, musical uh, uh, likes uh, Dave is my wife's cousin's husband all-round top man and he told me to uh, get my ears around uh, some Drench. I did and this is for him <laughs>
3: It's
6: another
2: off indeed from mark morris and his blue tones that's from uh, their debut record which was released in uh, 96 that's cut some rug that was also a uh, a single for them as well and uh, prior to that from uh, their debut uh, self-titled affair that was drench that's for for dave bless your heart sir and that was a blood sports an album track of uh, that particular LP. Now, up next, I'm going to play you something by uh, Death in Vegas. And after Death in Vegas, I will play the last new release of the programme. It seems that I've been able to uh, get to all the new releases that I was hoping to uh, this week, which is good, which means that uh, I've caught up and I'll have to go and source some new material for the next show. Uh, Don't forget that uh, coming up, at the end of the uh, the show, which is uh, going to be about ten fifteen minutes or so, uh, there's a, a great interview with uh, Kim Clark Champness uh, that I hope you enjoy, uh, and that will tie things off uh, for for this particular rendition of uh, Near Perfect Pitch, episode eight in particular, uh, and I'll. Uh, tie things up after the Kim Clark Chapman's interview with uh, one uh, track that is dedicated to him Um, don't forget nearperfectpitch at gmail.com is how you can get hold of me for uh, requests uh, and similar Uh, nearperfectpitch is the Instagram handle nearperfectpitch is our Twitter handle and nearperfectpitch is our Facebook page Vegas from their first LP, Dead Elvis. Who are these people? Well really the brainchild of uh, Richard Fearless and um, I've just learned doing a little bit of a research that there's a new record out which I don't have. So that was a track called uh, Rocco from the first album released on Concrete Records in 97. Uh, Now I've found out that there's a new one as of uh, well couple of weeks ago really so I'll have to get my hot little hands on that and play some material from that record for you Um, interestingly um, this this first record uh, made uh, made quite a dent in uh, in my sensibilities I played it a lot at uh, at the time Uh, the second album uh, took a bit of a departure uh, and I liked it equally uh, a lot of uh, live as opposed to uh, sampled stuff on the second album called the, uh, the Contino Sessions. Just wanted to share it with you that uh, if you're interested, uh, uh, th- there are guest slots there uh, vocally for Iggy Pop, Jim Reed, uh, Jesus Mary Chain, uh, Bobby Gillespie, Primal Scream, uh, and Dot Allison uh, from One Dove. And I think it was two shows ago I played uh, a One Dove track. Granted, it was a cover, but it was the uh, the Dolly Parton cover. But uh, that gave you a little bit of a, an insight into what what uh, Dot Allison and Wanda were all about. Anyway, a bit of a sidetrack. That was uh, Death in Vegas. Um, the last track I'll play before we get into the interview with uh, with Kim Clark-Champness is uh, from Lady Hawk's latest uh, record. Now... Uh, she's uh, a New Zealander Philippa Margaret Brown or, or pip depending on who you talk to um, the the third record is uh, just just a few weeks old and I'm gonna be playing the uh, the title uh, title track from it it's uh, it's a good little record it's called wild things I'm gonna play uh, the title track as I mentioned uh, and it's her first since uh, Uh, second LP Anxiety which was released in 2012 stay tuned because we're going to be uh, listening to Kim Kark-Champness in about five minutes or so sounds like. That's Lady Hawk. and I did make a boo-boo. It's not the title track of uh, her third LP, Wild Things. That's actually the lead track, uh, a love song, and I quite like that. Very poppy, yes, but what's wrong with that? Um, Kim Clark Champness, Canadian music icon, thought leader, tuned in, sussed, cultural, zeitgeist, aficionado. We're going to be talking to him right now. Hey, can you hear me? Yeah, good morning, Kim. It's Dara. How are you? All right, Dara. How are you?
1: Buddy?
2: I'm very, very well. Um, thanks, thanks for talking to me. I do appreciate it. You sound like you're uh, already got got a head start on the day. Oh, I've been up
1: since five o'clock, which is kind of my usual thing.
2: What? Why is that? Are you an insomniac? Uh, well,
1: no, um. Morning's a good time for me, and I, I do a lot of writing in the morning, and uh, I'm, I'm good to go by six o'clock, if you know what I mean.
2: Sure, sure. yeah. I, I, as I get older, I tend to rise earlier, and it's that rare time where you actually have the house to yourself, <coughs> and that's the case, very much the case right now. So <coughs> do forgive me, I'm coughing away here. I just wanted to have a chat with you because, as you well know, I've uh, I've started uh, a podcast and um trying to get... Uh, uh, as many as many viable guests in, in, in the realms of music and, and in a secondary capacity, uh, football, uh, trying to meld the two in a way that quite possibly hasn't been done before. Um, long story short, I know all about you. <laughs> you know little about me. Um, uh, you're a fascinating character, and I've got a lot of respect for what you've done in the industry, and I'd just like to uh, have a chit-chat about what you're up to to inform uh, the listenership as to what you're doing, because uh, if you I have not been privy to a bio or anything like that, so your wiki installments tend to come to a screeching halt in about twenty th- <laughs> thirteen. So it looks like you've been bone idle for three years. So what have you been doing? Oh well,
1: yeah, I've been bone idle. Of course, uh, I released the or uh, well, published the ebook, uh, yes. the Republic of Rock and Roll, which was about the nineteen eighties, which was a, a passionate project for me. Uh, and I'm busy right now uh, doing one on the nineteen seventies and my adventures of the nineteen seventies and weaving the music, out. and football to some degree through it. Lovely. Uh, yeah, and I'm hoping I can land a publishing deal for that. Um, so I've been doing that. Um, but predominantly, I uh, produce and write the tribute tapes for the Juno Awards and Canada's Walk of Fame. So if you were watching the Juno Awards this year, you would have seen uh, Nickelback induct Burton Cummings into the Hall of Fame. Well, I produced that tape.
2: Oh, okay. Uh, That's So you haven't been... A, a reprobate and been doing nothing. You've been intensely busy doing 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 important stuff.
1: Well, it, it's great. Yeah, I, I've been doing that for a number of years. Actually, I've been working on the Juno's. I think for the last six years, um, and and it's great because not only can I bring you know my knowledge and history and enthusiasm for artists that uh, I grew up listening to, uh, but at the same time, it, it introduces me to the young new artists that are up and coming. Yes. And, Um, A great example was a couple of years ago, I did the tribute for The Weeknd when he received the the Rising Star Award uh, on uh, Canada's Walk of Fame, and uh, I knew nothing about The Weeknd. He hadn't popped at that time, he was still kind of underground, so of course when I discovered that story, I was blown away.
2: Yeah, so you've got your fingers very much still in in all the pies that are necessary, uh, because in terms of your upbringing and my upbringing, we, we, we were brought up in a world where uh, music was accessible. We had the limited channels by which to garner everything that we wanted to. Now, it's so disparate, you've got to really have your finger on the pulse to actually keep up. Um, I've, I've had this conversation numerous times at late, whereby s- subscribing to mailing lists, following people on Bandcamp and Pledge, and just trying to try and get a handle on actually what's being released and what's coming and what's new. It's almost a full-time job in itself to remain current, um, which is why I always I always love to pick the brains of of people in the industry such as yourself to say how how are you following music aside from what you've already disclosed, Kim, Are, are you following music in, in in via different means? For instance, listening to podcasts like mine. Are you uh, are you on mailing lists from record shops? How how are you keeping up to date with the litany of new releases that aren't coming through? Uh, what you probably call traditional means, whereby every Tuesday, depending on what country, Tuesday or Monday, on release day, you'd line up outside the shop and there'd be a finite amount of releases. Now you've got to uh, really be on the ball, especially with the the realms of digital media chucking stuff out. Um, So anyway, I've rambled long enough. How are you sourcing uh, music and and are you still buying quite a significant amount uh, uh, day to day?
1: Well, I'm the complete opposite of that. I do not actively... Uh, attempt to stay up-to-date but of course I do um, by being plugged into all the various news outlets or whatever yeah so uh, you, you kind of trip over the great stuff because if you're on Facebook and I'm an active Facebook I'm kind of like the DJ on Facebook yes, as you, well yes you are Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so people turn you on to stuff um, it, uh, first of all uh, I'm uh, it's not my gig i i think to understand what happens to a 19 year old and their musical tastes but it is important for me to know what a 19 year old is absolutely enthusiastic about and that happens when it goes on the radar if you know what i mean I, yes. suddenly there's a huge spike uh, in, in sales so there'll be a news item about it or be, there'll be a fascinating interview and that appears on the radar of social media and uh, and paper media as well so you trip over that stuff um, secondly you know your friends will turn you on to things and say man you've got to listen to this so yes. you know you listen to the one or two tracks uh, and then of course staying plugged into uh, the music industry through the Junos um, I'm able you know for instance and uh, that's how I discovered about Shawn Mendez, you know <laughs> yes. uh, unless you're a 15 year old girl you most probably wouldn't know about Shawn Mendes and what he accompanies through Vine you know, the, uh, the social media. That's ballet. right. Yeah. Um, and then the, the monster hit that that song stitches has become. Now I, I, I wouldn't have known about that, but working on the Junos, I saw him and man, I was impressed. I heard that tune and I went, that's a hit and sure enough,
2: uh, a monster worldwide hit. Absolutely. So you got, you got the inside track on that. Now as, as a guy, I remember when I, when I lived here the first time in, in the 80s, um, uh, you, you did a series of of, of documentaries, which uh, at the time, without the luxury of the internet, would have involved an immense amount of research. Uh, I can only imagine the amount of uh, reading you had to do to to present some of the documentaries that you did, and and how well researched you were for any given interview. I'm um, we're not going to go into detail in terms of who you've interviewed because it's easier to write on the back of a postage stamp who you haven't interviewed. So you, you you're very experienced in that regard. Now. In terms of modern, in terms of modern day current artists, is, is there anybody that you'd love to have a chance to have a chat, uh, a chit chat with, and pick their brain?
1: Um, let me think about that. One, one I, I can only think about the classic ones that I've missed. <laughs> okay, so who,
2: who who do you regret in having not had an opportunity to talk with before? Van Morrison, for sure. Okay, Van the Man's one. All right.
1: Yeah, and I wish I'd got Prince uh, before he died. Um, yeah. Uh, that, that would have been interesting. Um, now in terms of, of the modern stuff, um, oh, I, I obviously, um, I should backtrack here. I would have loved to have had the chance to interview Ian Curtis of Joy Division before his death. Okay. Um, you know, Joy Division changed my life, and Ian's uh, lyrical content um, uh, influenced me a lot. Uh, but at the same time, I was writing poetry. Uh, I was still a student, and I just got my degree and what he was delving into was exactly what I was delving into so when I heard that music I was like oh man you know this this is where I'm at as well so anyway there you go.
2: Well that was synergistic yeah because I mean if you're in the same place it was very much like me with Morrissey I was a, a miserable bugger at the very si- same time he was a miserable bugger so it, it really resonated with me so you're saying when, when uh at the height of Jordanism joy Joy Division, uh, prior to, to Ian's death, you, you, were, you were immersed in, 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 in the records, and um, what, else, what else culturally affected you? Because you, you, you've, you've lived in the new, numerous places, west coast, east coast here, you've, you've, lived, uh, you've lived in Bahrain, you've lived, lived in the UK. Um, what, what around that time, uh, in conjunction with Joy Division, were contributing factors to, to your formative years?
1: Uh, Well, just backtrack it. So I had been a disco DJ uh, in Vancouver through the 1970s. That's how I put myself through university. Yeah. And then uh, um, uh, I ended up, uh, 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 disco um, began to pick up on the threads of New Wave at the time. Uh, Hit Me With Your Rhythm Stick by Ian Dury. Yes. um, Cars, Gary Newman, uh, Money by the Flying Lizards, uh, Rock Lobster by the B-52s. So there was this kind of transitional uh, music that was uh, fairly commercially successful but was pointing us in a new direction and that new direction was New Wave. And I ended up getting a DJ gig at a very famous club in Vancouver called The Love Affair.
2: Yes indeed. (laughs) And The
1: the Love Affair was the center of the whole New Wave phenomenon because of course you couldn't hear those tunes on the radio, on commercial radio, student radio you could. Yes. so, the New Wave Club ended up becoming the uh, biggest window and the, the, the most potent window, if that's the right way of putting it, into the, that musical scene. And uh, it, it was kind of like a, a Alice falling down a rabbit hole. You entered that club, and suddenly there was all this music that you didn't know about that had a sensibility that was jarring, to say the least. Um, plus all the energy mixed in with, uh, you, you know, the, the sexual blurring, um, the, the drug culture, uh, the art culture. And art was a big part of New Wave. Yes. And um, all of those things affected us. And I, along with uh, the other DJ who happens to be a famous artist these days, Stephen R. Gilmore, mm. um, he and I uh, began to play all that music. And I got further and further into the scene. And uh, in those early days, uh, it was the electronic stuff, uh, very early uh, orchestral maneuvers, and um, John Fox from Ultravox, Ultravox themselves, and then, of course, The Cure, Joy Division morphed into a new order, and then the Smiths came along, Comsat Angels, um, Fingerprints. Yeah, I do remember a band called Fingerprints. Yes. Um, all of these kind of things, and of course, you had to search out those music because it's pre-internet. So you had to go to import record stores, and then you became part of that culture of the record store, and you'd run into other people who were collecting, and they'd turn you on to stuff. Um, and then, and then that led into me managing the band Images in Vogue, and then suddenly, before I knew it, I became a spokesperson for this whole new scene.
2: <clears throat> Great stuff, right place, right time, right attitude, and uh, everything fell into place. Now, in- interesting band images in Vogue. I've been re- revisiting them lately and-, and listening to some of my old records, and I uh, actually did download a-, a-, a compilation that I that I was upset that I didn't even know about. Um, I still think they sound immensely relevant, and they they, ha- they hold a place in-, in Canadian music history. To your knowledge, did they ever do anything in terms of record sales outside of Canada?
1: Um, at the time when I was managing, which was three and a half years, um, it, it was predominantly Canadian, and uh, we attempted to get an American deal, and that's how we ended up with uh, Gary Wright, of Dreamweaver fame, who produced the In The House album. Yeah. Uh, and America, though, did not pick up the option, um, but the band, after my tenure, ended up getting uh, some kind of success uh, in Australia, of all things. Yeah. Um, and, uh, it, you know, it's typical of the music industry. Suddenly there's a little spark somewhere. Some DJ falls in love with a track and it, it morphs into not brilliant sales, but enough to to maybe gain them attention.
2: Good, yeah. So one spin on Triple J and all of a sudden they've sold uh, 5,000 copies. That's great. Now, I was a big fan of that band. Were, were, you, were you very much into the, uh, the network scene as well? You must have been being at that time out, out on the West Coast, uh, what with uh, the Skinny Puppies of the World and... Uh, the, the, the formative years of Sarah McLaughlin, etc.
1: Uh, well, you, you're blending two histories here. First of all, um, uh, Terry McBride, who as uh, president of Network Records, and myself, uh, um, we were both young little managers. Terry McBride was working in a record store where me and Stephen Gilmore used to go and buy our records called Cinematica. Oh, OK, and, uh,
2: OK. I was wondering Terry, what store
1: that was, yeah. Yeah, Terry was managing a band called Mauve, I was managing Images & Vogue, okay. the, uh, the drummer for Images & Vogue was Kevin Key, who became Skinny Puppy. Yes. Uh, Terry McBride, along with uh, two other chaps, um, set up uh, the Young Little Naval uh, Network Records. They then recruited Stephen Gilmore, yes. uh, my DJ friend, um, um, and Stephen had been doing all the graphics for Images & Vogue, and then Network released three uh, albums at once. With Stevens' wonderful graphics, and they were The Grapes of Wrath, Skinny Puppy, and Mauve, and that was uh, 1985, I believe. That's about right. Yep. And, yeah. uh, and um, that created this sudden splash for not only the uh, the label, but all three of those bands, and that uh, West Coast New Wave singing, and then Terry McBride and Network Records, uh, particularly with Skinny Puppy. Uh, Selling big numbers, and went on to become uh, the legendary
2: label they are. Yeah, I mean, it must have been very exciting to be a part of of of, of that label. I, I still call it the boutique label of sorts. Uh, uh, in terms of Canadian history, it's, it's one, one of my all time favourites. And you must know Catherine McLaren and uh, 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 up in Vancouver uh, in, in, in the promo department there. She was there for years and years. That was my inner network. Whenever I'd go to Vancouver, she'd let me trawl the back rooms and <laughs> pillage the shelves every once in a while. Um, yeah. And I was actually listening to Head Down a couple of days ago by Mauve. It, it, was, it was a brilliant time for music with, uh, with the Chris and Cozies and with uh, the Seven Heads and, and with all the bands you've alluded to with 54-4, even, even uh, the Rock and Hide movement uh, on the West Coast. It was, it was a very, very cool time. So at what point did you then switch West Coast for East Coast?
1: Uh, Well, I got the call in 1986 uh, to come to Much Music and ended up in Toronto. And I I, uh, hosted and produced the Rock and Roll News Desk, which was Rock Flash. And then that led into uh, hosting the alternative show City Limits. And uh, once again, here I am at the forefront of that whole alternative scene, because City Limits, uh, along with CBC's Brave New Wave, um, were about the only places that you could hear alternative music in the late
2: 80s. That's right. It was yourself and Brent Banbury. That was about it, wasn't it? That was it. That was the yeah. So you, you 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 haven't given yourself enough credit. You were talking about you know your work on on, on the West Coast. You and now you've, you, you you earned your stripes out there, and, and then you've moved to the East Coast. But you've always been uh, what I like to call a curator, uh, with, with, without there being the the, uh, the the necessary media outlets to 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 showcase the kind of stuff that you've listened to and I've listened to on mass, especially in North America. You've always done a, a tremendous job of, uh, as, I, as I like to say, curating material, presenting material, being the filter for material. Excuse me, that's my phone ringing. Um, uh, similarly, there was, there was a chap at, at Music Plus, who I'm sure you probably know, uh, Claude, Claude Rajot, used to do the same thing for, uh, for the Quebec audience.
1: Yeah, Claude was amazing. Yeah, he, again, passionate. You know, I was thinking about this just this morning, knowing that uh, I was going to be talking to you, because everyone talks about why I'm still involved in the music industry and, you know, why I'm so passionate about it. And uh, the one thing that you begin to realize is that um, when music affects you deeply, uh, you never let go of it and it never lets go of you. Now, for the majority of individuals that um, are spinning records on commercial radio, um, their job is not necessarily to... um, turn the listener on to new music in fact it's just the opposite it's to remain constant and not meant to challenge because the radio station owners don't want you to move the dial so so their job is, is to maintain um uh, a kind of environment which doesn't challenge that, that doesn't um, allow you to stop and think about how profound Joy Division's lyrics are yes um, it, it wants you to stay with the station because it can then sell you the hamburger and the automobile, and and that's all fine for, for that. But for those of us who kind of fell down that rabbit hole of music, um, and um, you realise that our job is as uh, gatekeepers is to turn on, to uh, turn other people on to, to new music, and to allow that artist to grow, and that's a really important role. In a,
2: Taking it very seriously, and uh, I'm glad that you are. There are not enough of, of, of the likes of yourself in North America. I, I've done my fair bit of travelling here, and this is my my attempt after having had the show here. Uh, I, I I had a bit of a not, not so much an epiphany. I was back home for a, for a funeral in uh, in in February, and I was I was on a train to Edinburgh and. I was sitting next to this one lady just by pure happen just by pure happenstance my goodness that's a persistent person on the phone um um, and anyway point point is she said you just got to do in life what you love and i realized what i'm doing in my life is i'm not overly keen on it i've been in the media for a long time i've made a lot of people a lot of money um so i said to myself well i'm going to go, go back home i'm going to resurrect the radio show and I'm just gonna continue what I've always done in the hopes that I can uh, just share what I think is is, is worth listening to and, and add my my token little bit of uh, knowledge to it. Uh, and and it's my hope that, that I can sort of not rediscover music because it's never gone away for me, but really I want to delve deeper and deeper in what I can then showcase and share with other people. It sounds a bit uh, egomaniacal, but it's actually designed to be the polar opposite. I just want to have a forum by which I can uh, Play that new wire single that was released last week, etc., etc. So that that that's my. It's not a million miles away from what what you've been doing, except you've been doing it in, in a much more uh, uh, visible uh, fashion. Um, now let, let's talk about um, Toronto right now. Is there anything happening vibe wise in Toronto that you might have the inside track on? Oh, well, first of all,
1: let's take the overview. Toronto is going through a golden golden period right now yeah Toronto is positioning itself to become one of the major centers in the world for uh, destination traveling for culture Um, you can feel the vibe uh, on the downside of that Toronto is frightfully expensive yes um, and, and it's, it's becoming too expensive to live in this city. Almost um, the real estate's duplicating what Vancouver's doing, and and it's because of that that projection that that Toronto is a city of the future. Um, the the music scene and uh, the the city fathers are trying to make this music city. Um, so there is a huge commitment. Uh, it could be slightly better, mind you, yeah. but there is a huge commitment to um, financially support the artists through various grant systems. Um, and yeah, there's still lots of venues out there um, for stuff and there's lots of festivals in the summer. So all that's going on in Toronto. Um, but as I said, while that's happening, it's squeezing out at the street level, the young artists with the bright ideas and no money.
2: So it's going through a bit of a metamorphosis then, Toronto right now.
1: Oh man, uh, downtown Toronto is like a mini Manhattan where there used to be a garage or a school that's knocked down and the brand new condo is going up. Uh, Condos are going shoulder to shoulder in the downtown area. And if you haven't visited Toronto in the last 10 years, you would be dumbfounded as to what has happened in the downtown core. It's unbelievable. If you saw the the Raptors basketball game with those 5,000 fans outside Air Canada center, um, that gives you an idea of what is going on they're bringing the young people into the city. They're corralling them in the downtown core. Yes. Uh, the, the venues, the clubs, and everything that's going on. Yeah. In one sense, it's absolutely brilliant. And in another sense, oh, man, how does anybody afford to live here?
2: Well, yeah, it's, it seems like everything's been accelerated there. You're absolutely right. I go to Toronto a fair amount, and literally every, every time I go there, I, I, I notice you know, another, another massive... Two or three uh, high-rise condo buildings, which begs the question: Who's living there, and how do they afford to live there, and where are they working? Uh, and I and I don't know the answer to any of those questions. All I know is, as you as you quite 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 rightly said, it, it's it's going through a bit of a Vancouver right now, which to anyone with any degree of uh, maturity is uh, is thinking, how. What's the financial sense living in Vancouver when, when, you know, I've got family out there and you're going to be 65 and and have a third of your mortgage paid off? It's it's a frightening prospect. And that's uh, what's happening in Toronto right now. Um, So that economic aspect, are you finding, because I I was reading in Stats Canada now that uh, we've got about 55% of of, of Torontonians are first-generation Canadians. Kim?
1: Yeah, yeah, I was waiting for you to answer your phone. No, sorry, <laughs> it, 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 it's
2: just something, I just can't turn it off, this this person is the most persistent person on the planet, um, so essentially, <clears> I, I, I was Or I t- Unless
1: it's the tax man trying to get through to you.
2: No, the taxman only wants uh, wants to, to take money from you, he doesn't want to give you money.
1: Hey, Dara, when you answer the phone and let them know that you can't.
2: <laughs> no, no, it's okay, it's done, it's done, I've turned it up. turned it completely off. So anyway, um that's what I was, I was. I was talking to you about uh, Toronto. I was talking to you about uh, all manner of other things. Talking to you about uh, the, the price, the house prices, the the, the Canadian the Canadian first generation Canadians in Toronto being uh, upward to fifty eight percent. The latest uh, stats Canada it was fifty five up to fifty eight. You can't you can't get into a taxi without uh, without being being ferried around by somebody with a with a graduate degree from uh, from Iraq. Uh, it's it's a thriving city, but it's grown so fast in such a, a short amount of time that I, I would imagine it's hard to keep track.
1: Well, uh, well it's, uh, obviously it's a destination not only for people with money and investment, uh, but at the same time there are new Canadians as well, and it's all part of the policy of Canada as well, that uh, uh, immigration uh, is going to... Oh my
2: goodness me.
1: Boy, well, someone really wants you. you yes,
2: know, yes, we'll have to employ someone else in the house to pick up the telephone. Yes, done, I, it, it, I do apologise. It's done, it's done. Someone's, someone's picked it up. Someone is alive in the house aside from me now. Okay. Um, but
1: anyway, it's all part of the immigration,
2: the aggressive immigration
1: yes. policy of the Canadian government to bring new Canadians in you know, to support the you know, Canada pension plans and the future and everything. And it just so happens that Toronto is the bullseye on the it's, immigration
2: map. It is, and it, and it, and it, and it, and it shall be for, for, for quite some time by virtue of its uh, geographic location as opposed to uh, Vancouver and people from Montreal. Montreal's actually... Uh, experiencing attrition as as opposed to growth. Toronto is is, is at the epicenter. Now, musically, uh, Toronto's been very, very, uh, very very active in the music industry, as you'd expect. Uh, Are are there any bands that that, that you think I I am unaware of, that the listenership are unaware of, that they shouldn't be unaware of right now? Sounds like a very basic question, but there might be some uh, up-and-coming brooding bands there that we've not heard of quite yet.
1: Well, I'm not the guy really plugged into all the bands going on, but one of the ones I've tripped over in, in uh, my travels is the Strumbellas.
2: Oh, I've heard of them. Could you tell uh, us more what, about them? Well, the Strumbellas,
1: uh, they had their number one alternative album a week or two ago yeah. in the States. So they're poised, uh, I think, for pretty good things. Um, they're uh, kind of like the Lumineers, in the sense that they have a real kind of uh, folk um Strain to them, and here's a perfect example of uh, tripping over stuff. And there's a park in Toronto called Trinity Bellwoods Park that's become the uh, the kind of Hyde Park of uh, of Toronto. And at the weekends during the sunny period, uh, young people not exclusively young people but predominantly young people gather in little um. Um, circles of uh, groups of friends there and uh, there's beer flowing and, uh-huh. and, like, and And it's it's like a rock festival without the rock if you know what I mean and it's packed there's frisbees going on and uh, there's all kinds of stuff there the vibe is absolutely brilliant Um anyway uh, I was over there one summer's uh, evening I don't know a year or so ago well two years ago I think um, and they did uh, for want of a better phrase a pop-up concert for uh, bikers, you know, bush bike people, right. you know, couriers and the like. Um, and it wasn't really advertised except amongst those circles. and I was just walking through and saw them and they were playing on the grass and uh, I thought that they were absolutely good in it and I said to myself, now there's a band going someplace. Uh, and
2: what do you know? <laughs> yeah. Kim 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 Kreskin. He had that one case. Fantastic. Now let's let's change the slant a little bit because so I, I know that you have a penchant for football uh, and, and a certain team from London. Are you uh, uh, up for a little bit of a chat about uh, the beautiful game? Uh, Any time you
1: like, buddy. Okay,
2: so let's 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 get your let's get your assessment first of all on on, on Fulham. So. Uh, what was your assessment of, of, of the last season? How, how are Fulham looking for, 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 for moving into the next season? Are you a happy camper?
1: Well, hopefully I don't turn your airways blue here. Fulham... <laughs> um, here we go. <laughs> uh, embarrassing. Yes. And are So far down the bucket of poo that it's ridiculous that they are lucky to have escaped uh, relegation yet again. There has been a series of inept managements. Felix McGath is a man, masquer- or was a man, oh. masquerading as a manager that did so much harm to that team from uh, a personnel point of view, from a morale point of view. It was ridiculous. Um, uh, having said that... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I can only hope with the new American owners, Mr. Khan, um, that we can dig ourselves out of this pit that uh, the Fulham executive board have dug for us all um, and and become viable yet again. It's terrible to see what had happened. You know, we had uh, Mohammed Al-Fayed guided Fulham through four divisions uh, that put us back on top uh, with Roy Hodgson we got to the Europa final the biggest thing that we had ever achieved in our history and then we fell like a rock from then on in yes um, you it did it was sad absolutely sad
2: well from from you know from from almost touching glory in the, in the in the in the final there being undone by by a very very good team you're not wrong i mean the the fall was quite quite a rapid one and we all know that uh, going going into the championship and and beyond it's almost like a vortex that's almost impossible to get out of without uh, kismet money uh, and, and, and any other amount of external factors. Now, how, how do you feel about the forthcoming season? Because being it's a Europa year, it means, of course, that this stupid stupid transfer business being rushed right now before it kicks off. You've also got the Copa in South America, which is taking care of a, a, another massive contingent of Premier League existing players and potential. Um and then you're gonna have that mad scramble post both tournaments, and, and silly money being bandied around. Um, being a Liverpool fan, I, I'm, I'm very up to speed with all the silly rumours and, and possibilities there. Uh, what's happening at Fulham? Are you uh, are you aware of any imminent transfers, or, or hoping for 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 some for some new blood?
1: Um, well, uh, Ross McCormick, uh, hopefully uh, the top scorer, will remain with Fulham, and I believe he signed a new contract, but of course contracts mean nothing in yes. this day and age. Um, and that's about the main thing, I think, that's been going on, just trying to make sure that he stays with the team. Fulham have some good young players coming through, um, and and hopefully they can mature... But man oh man, it's it's the tactics and it's the team building. We got a we got a new manager in, and hopefully uh, he can put his stamp on it. But it it really comes down to morale, and um, the, the morale in Fulham has been terrible over the last couple of years. You need team spirit. Uh, look at Leicester. Leicester uh, managed to achieve what they did because of the team spirit that was be- built there. The self belief um, uh, of Believing in the fairy tale that the fairy tale could happen and i've always said and I used to coach youth soccer um, i've always said give me a team of willing individuals who want to work as a team rather than 11 star players who just want to go out there and show their stuff
2: well the modern game the modern game isn't conducive unfortunately in in, in the higher leagues to 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 that kind of romance and and, and what you've alluded to there because who, who, who would who would enjoy the prospect of of managing teenage millionaires that that pay you no regard? Uh, for instance, once you once you get into the Premier League and, and you've got uh, you've got someone like Kante making thirty five thousand quid a week, being offered a gig at Chelsea for three times that amount. Uh, granted, he's a mature player, but your average players are raking in uh, twenty twenty to eighty thousand quid a week. Uh, man management, as you say, in morale, it's a very, very difficult game to get your head round. And you had gap who was essentially a, uh, it was the equivalent of a male Stepford wife. He was like a cyborg, and uh, <laughs> I, and, I, and I thought to myself almost instantly after, you know, knowing of his reputation in Germany. To get a tune out of players, yeah, you've got to have good players. You've got to have players who are made confident, who are made to feel uh, special. And uh, without that and that arm around them, very much like what done at Liverpool uh, that turned a, a ramshackle lot into uh, a bunch of overachievers, uh, you're right. The, the key word is psychology. And, and what with sport nowadays, there being so little on the pitch to differentiate between... Uh, the athleticism, the physical prowess, they've got all the nutrition and they've got all the science behind them. So sometimes it's either a mistake or it's, or it's a mental issue or a psychological issue that's the difference in games. And as you've seen, as you mentioned, Lester, uh, it would take a brave man to bet against them after what we saw. But uh, being that, that I, I maintain it was a blip, uh, but it was a blip that was a beautiful blip whereby all the stars aligned. And as you quite rightly say, Yes, they had some star players in in, in Mares and and Vardy, Kante, but uh, they weren't that uh, spectacular. They, they operated as a team. Let
1: me, let me interrupt. They only became star players uh, because Leicester was doing so well. Absolutely. We wouldn't know about Mares if uh, Leicester hadn't been uh, champions. Vardy, uh, um, you know, he, he what was he? A plumber? A bricklayer?
2: No, I think he was um, a I think it was a plumber and while was playing for Fleetwood, yeah
1: yeah um and it's only because whatever magic occurred in that season and he was knocking in that those goals that he's now playing for England and potentially going to be transferred to arsenal but it's only because somehow something occurred amongst all those players those players uh, were, uh, without being too hard on it will retreats. yes they, they were they, 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 they had already done their bit. They hadn't succeeded elsewhere, but somehow they came together and they created this piece of magic. It may never be duplicated, um, but it's, it's that magic that lets us all believe in uh, the, the beauty of the game and any sport. And it's not just football, uh, but even in your careers. Um, and this is the parallel with pop music: that you could be a busker on a street corner singing a tune, and the next minute you're number one on the hit parade.
2: Yeah, it's very much the older. Uh... The Susan Boyle of football type deal, isn't it? Really, um, but, but
1: uh, I, I've me got give you another example, Dara. Even before your time <laughs> in the sixties, uh, there was a guy called Don Partridge who literally was a busker. Do you, do you know this story? I,
2: I know who Don Partridge was, but I don't know where you're going with the busker bit. Please share.
1: Well, he was a busker, and uh, he had his big drum and, and his. Uh, Tambourine on his foot, and he did a song called Blue Eyes. Ah, and, uh, there and you go. He literally went from the street corner to uh, to the top of the hit parade.
2: Fantastic. These these things are as rare as unicorn poo, aren't they? But but having having seen what happened to Leicester, feel good factor for football. It just made me feel good all over. If we're not going to win it, them winning it. I've got a lot of mates still in Leicester, and. Uh, uh who were who are all the game season ticket holders and even them, you know, talk to them on a weekly basis, just had to keep pinching themselves week after week after week. It was just a wonderful thing to watch. So anything that can come close to emulating that kind of emotion and excitement forthcoming in, in the realm of football will be will be very, very welcome. Now let's let's get on to a a, a very depressing topic. Uh, I won't keep you too much longer, Kim, because you're a busy chap, but let's let's talk about uh, uh that crack outfit that's called the Three Lions. What are your reasonable expectations for for that ramshackle lot? Oh, my gosh. You know, you may as well toss a
1: coin. Uh, uh, Yeah. Vardy's there and uh, Rashford's there, so that's going to be interesting to see what they can do. Um, I tell you what, Wayne Rooney, I've been impressed with Wayne Wayne Rooney over the last uh, couple of months uh, with his midfield role for Manchester United. And um, I like the way he he distributes the ball. And... um, uh, if he can do that for England and supply uh, Rashford and Vardy up front, uh,
2: I think it, it may be the X factor here. And um, anyway, Well, Rudy's uh, never I, I performed in a tournament. He's scored one goal in, in tournaments so far. But if, I agree, if you play him as a proper number 10 uh, and he can uh, relax and, and, and put his foot on the ball and spray the ball about... Uh, he's got he's got that in his locker whereby he can uh, he can break free a Vardy with pace or a Rashford with pace and, and uh, of course we've got Harry Kane and Daniel Sturridge as well so it's not what's up front that scares me it's uh, it, 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 it's it's the back I, I just don't think we've got uh, that kind of team that says well if you score two we're going to go and score three uh, the defence worry me they're not as uh, uh, we've just got a, an overabundance of midfielders we are actually spoiled for choice. We've not, not got an issue in the goalkeeping department. We've got width, we've got attacking pace, but it's, it's the defence and uh, the, no one's really pulling up any trees in the back four. I, I don't know what you think about that.
1: Well, uh, my um, take on England teams forever um, is kind of similar to the Leicester thing. Uh, when there's a kind of self-belief that they, they believe that they can go the full distance with this. Um, it really works. It, it's that psychological thing, you know, trying to recreate England in 1966. Um, they, if England, the, the team, believes that they can do this, and if they get a series of wins under their belt, um, they will go far. But once they lose that magic, that self-belief, um, with a couple of defeats, um, they're their own worst enemies. Um, it's it's ridiculous, and of course the pressure yeah. because it is England, and because all of us as fans are following them around the world, and um, they feel it, they really do, and uh, they buckle easy.
2: They do, and uh, that's all due to our all our fine friends in the media making it extra difficult for them. Yeah, I, I've 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 never held uh, any aspirations of success after having been perpetually disappointed. So I always go in with a. Uh, a, a healthy optimism, but I never, I never put any stock in it. I just can't, for the life of me, imagine in any way, shape, or form. Even, even speaking with Jamie Carragher about it is, is, is having, is having Roy Hodgson. Could you imagine being in a, in a dressing room with him and having him try and inspire you? I, I would love to be a fly on the wall.
1: Well, it, it, Hodgson's it, not Alex Ferguson. You know, it, it's not the the hairdryer treatment. But what Roy Hodgson did for Fulham, I think, is what he can do for England. One of the great things he did for Fulham was man management. And a perfect example was Bobby Zamora. Uh, mm-hmm. Zamora was our centre forward at the time. and was having a terrible season. And Hodgson came in. And I don't know what he said to Zamora, but he put self-belief in his boots. And um, Zamora ended up scoring key goals not only for Fulham, but then Hodgson started to say, hey, you're good enough for England and he put him on the radar. And again that self-belief grew and grew and Zamora did end up playing a, a game or two for England and good for him as well. Um, and Hodgson did that for all the team uh, team players for Fulham. That's what I think he can do for England. Uh, but he has to be with them long enough to be able to find out their weaknesses so he can then rectify those weaknesses. And apply the strengths um, that that are there inherent
2: in that player. Yeah, and in international management is very tricky because you you have uh, very very short spells uh, uh, with, with with the team, and it's very hard to, to to know every nuance of what's going on. Now, in, in terms of uh, your your, your uh, publishing, Kim, uh, to the listenership, where's the best place for people to pick up uh, uh, the two publications?
1: Uh, well, so it's just one right now. Oh, basically. just one. I thought
2: you'd done two. My apologies.
1: Uh, well, it's um, the second one. Hopefully, I'm, I'm hoping this week I get the publishing deal. Oh, okay. Um, but anyway, so the, the first one uh, is uh, on the 1980s, and you can go to the website the republic of rock n Okay. The republic of rock n and uh, you can also find it on uh, the Facebook page, which will link you with the uh, with the real page where you can download it. Lovely. Well, um, I'll put
2: links on the site for that, Kim.
1: Yeah, oh, thank you. Um, I'm also, I tell you what, I'm going to be in Montreal. Uh, I just found out this morning, oh. uh, a Montreal Spinning Records on uh, Sunday, June the 19th at uh, the BAM Gallery, uh, B A M M. It's an afternoon kind of a little dance party that I'm going to do. Fantastic. Um, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's a great little gallery and record store run by Ralph Alfonso, who's famous in punk circles for managing the diodes back in the day. And uh, I was just saying to Ralph, hey, I'm going to be a Montreal one-night DJ. So I'm going to be a DJ uh, off my laptop, mind you, <laughs> not my vinyl. That's um, great. That's yeah, an opportunity so
2: to see, see you in Montreal, which you, you're, not, you're not in Montreal that often. So um, any, any other uh, appearances? Are we going to get you to Ottawa at all?
1: Uh, Well, you know what? I've fallen back into DJing again. Um, uh, uh, Friends who are in a pub asked me to do it, and I love doing it, and I thought I'd come out. And one of the things, of course, that you find is that, uh, as you well know with your radio show, people reconnect with this music and say, I haven't heard that in a long time. Um, uh, And uh, that's one of the things that I enjoy doing. So I, I, I play a variety of music. I play old Motown and Stax and Scar, uh, but predominantly 80s stuff, um, and uh, it's a real mixture, and if you're lucky enough to be able to dance as well, then it's dance therapy.
2: <laughs> Fantastic. So uh, uh, is it is it beyond the realms of possibility if I uh, make a few calls here and see if we could get you down here for an 80s night? That would be a lot of fun.
1: I would like to do that. If, if you've got a venue, I'll be there. Yeah, I'm
2: thinking Barrymore's. So that would be perfect for you.
1: That might be a bit big, though. Oh, I mean, no, no.
2: oh no, no. The, the 80s crowd, it, it, it's quite the predominant one. And some days, it's quite a religious following. So uh, let's. I'll put that on the back burner, but I, I'm not going to let it go Actually, out. Dara,
1: i tell you what, Dara, you get me a gig in Ottawa. I'll give you a commission
2: and uh, we'll do it <laughs> don't need a commissioner I'd just, just like to be there that'd be a lot of fun so so I will work on that, that that's a that's a racing certainty I do promise that in, in the interim I'd like to thank you very much for your time uh, you're a very interesting chap and, and I'd love to have an opportunity to talk with you to share the fruits of the chat uh, at another juncture in, in, in the coming weeks to see uh, to what's been happening in life to see if the book did indeed get published and uh, where they can get the second book and just talk about more things uh, because I know that we've just only scratched the surface. So if you're into it, I'd love to talk to you again in, in, in the coming weeks, because you are uh, a very important man in, in the realms of Canadian music, and I'd like to thank you for, for spending your time with uh, Near Perfect Pitch and myself. Well, thanks for having me, and
1: look, good luck with your podcast, and just keep doing this. It's really important, and uh, man, if you can make some money out of this,
2: even better. Oh, even better, even better. Well, well, we'll we'll address that one in the next in the next chat. Right now, it's it's, it's a labour of love. So, all the best. Take care. If I don't talk to you before Montreal, have a tremendous time, and I'll talk to you soon.
1: Okay. Oh, and now one
2: request: World in Motion, new order. That's on the next show, guaranteed for you, sir. Okay. All, all the best. You. Take care. Bye then. Cheers. What a delightful chat that was with Kim Clark Champness. Fantastic stuff. Thank you, sir, and hopefully we can reconvene another time to catch up on more stuff that is uh, music-related, football-related, general uh, pop culture, lots of fun stuff. We'll uh, we'll be in touch, I'm sure. Uh, thanks again to Kim for that, and to make Kim feel at home because uh, he'll be listening to this uh, at some point, being, of course, that we're not live. We are a podcast. Going to play something from uh, from Move uh, on Network Records from quite some time ago. Going to have the 12-inch version of Head Down. Don't forget to uh, spread the word about Near Perfect Pitch. Email me nearperfectpitch at gmail.com. Instagram, Near Perfect Pitch. Twitter, Near perf pitch. Facebook, Near pitch. Thank you so much. <laughs> Head Down by Mauve. Vancouver's Mauve. That uh, is a 12-inch version of uh, the single version that appeared on the self-titled record Head Down. Are you with me so far? That was released on Network Records in 1990 and sadly the last uh, release by the band that featured uh, vocalist Dean Russell, who uh, sadly passed away in 1994. And for those of you who are Sarah McLaughlin fans, you can find snippets of her doing a lot of uh, backing vocals uh, on this particular LP. My thanks to Kim clark Champniss, my thanks to you for listening, and I'll thank you in advance for sharing uh, Near Perfect Pitch with anybody and everybody you think you'd be interested. All the best, and uh, I'll be back next week.